as a little weak. You ready? Word of God, Word of God is, truth. is truth. If I live the Word, I, the Word. I, will, be I will be blessed. And if I don't, if I, don't I, won't. I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it's just that simple. If you do what God said, you're going to get blessed. You can be seated. If you don't, you're not going to be blessed. Let's see the hands of all the first-time visitors again. I did not see them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight so far. How many of you are here with children somewhere else in the building? Can I see your hands? How many children? Three, two, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Now let's give them a welcome they'll not forget. We are glad you are with us. We're here every Sunday, nine, eleven o'clock, six thirty on Wednesdays. What time is prayer on Monday? <laughs> 6.30 prayer on Monday night. We have an awesome time. And if you have children, great nursery, great toddler area, great children's church where they're taught the Word of God and a powerful youth service. So if you have a church, all of you visitors, stay where you are. Be a blessing to them. If you don't have a church, stay where you are. Be a blessing to them. This is the first time in a long time for us. We have six children between us. Lori was in the first service. John and, and, and uh, Matt, or in, John is in New York, and Matt is in uh, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and our three, my three, are sitting here today. Let's welcome them. Glory to God. Good to have, and my granddaughter and their wives. Good to see all of you here. If you have your Bible, we're going to start reading in uh, Romans chapter 12. You'll be able to follow us if you don't have your Bible. <clears throat> I really... The message today is basically that all of us need to be ready to launch out again into the plan and the purpose that God has for our life. And that each of us have areas in our life where we have been disappointed. Things did not work out the way we'd hoped they they would. But what we have to do is, is get a grip get right back into the Word of God, right back into the Holy Spirit, and determine that the Word of God is truth, and that whatever God told me to do and called me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And that while I may make some mistakes along the way, all of us have, I'm going to learn from my mistakes, and I'm going to get better at it. How many of you realize if you learn from your mistakes, you get smarter? Some of you ought to be brilliant by now. You'll get that in a minute. But what happens is when we learn from our mistakes, then we get right back up again. And sometimes things don't happen the way they, that we hoped they would. But it doesn't matter. It does not change the Word of God and the plan of God. And that every single one of us have things that God has called us to do. And Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and, and 2, we're going to read here in just a moment. One of the most important scriptures in the entire Bible concerning knowing God's will. And that God, in everything that you do, has a will. And he has a plan. And if you find out what his will is, and you never are moved by the obstacles, you never move by what isn't going right, but you're always moved by what you know God wills, then you stay true and you stay on course. I have a, a cup that we found in, in Florida while we were there, a little, uh, what's that called, Turvis? Turvis cup, the kind that supposedly can't break, but we'll find out. But you supposedly can't break it, but uh, I love my little cup. Actually, what I love is what it said. 
It says you can never complete the plan God has for you unless you lose sight of the shore. In other words, you have to sail beyond, beyond the shoreline. And I never thought about that as I read it until we went deep sea fishing down there one time. And, uh, and, and I love excitement. And I love adrenaline. How many of you like an adrenaline rush? Can I see your hands? How many of you don't like an adrenaline rush? Ooh, you're really going to have a hard time during these end times, but I'll work with you and we'll help you out on this. But when we finally got out beyond, we could see the tops of the building, and that was okay. And then all of a sudden we got out and there were no tops of buildings and there was nothing. And all we saw was water, and we lost sight of the shoreline. And just for a few moments, it was an eerie feeling to me. But see, you've got to launch out into the deep. Tell your neighbor, we need to launch into the deep. And if you'll go beyond your abilities, but you know you can never go beyond his ability in you, but your ability of what you can figure out, then you can accomplish great and mighty exploits. I took a survey in the first service, has nothing to do with the message whatsoever, just for my own personal knowledge. But the NBA finals are on tonight. How many of you are basketball fans? Can I see your hands? Oh, not that many in this service. Okay, how many of you plan to watch the game tonight? I plan to watch the game. All right. Let me see. I, I've already got the percentages of the first service, so I don't want to skew this service by giving you any firsthand knowledge. But how many of you are rooting for Cleveland tonight? It's like you're all alone. Uh, how many of you are rooting for Golden State? Uh, about the same, about 60, 70% Golden State first service and about 20, 30% for Cleveland. Okay, that has nothing to do with the message, all right? Well, actually, it does to a certain extent because all of us face disappointments, things that just haven't gone right, but yet we knew what God's will was. I used in the first service my brother-in-law, Mike Buckmiller. We prayed for Mike, uh, believed that he was going to be healed. I told Mike, I said, Mike, I believe you're going to live a long and healthy life on this earth and that God is going to heal you. And what happened was it happened almost exactly as I felt the Lord showed me. He's going to live a long and healthy life. He's just not living it on this earth. He got healed on the other side. Now, for a moment, I was disappointed. But I know, based on the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit, Mike Buckmiller was healed. And at the last moment, he was out of his body and alive and well with Jesus. So we can focus on the disappointment of thinking that he's going to stay with us, or we can focus on the beautiful victory and miracle he had of total healing and is alive and well in heaven right now, living on, in a mansion and living on streets of gold. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'd rather focus on the Word of God. Don't ever focus on disappointment. Disappointment will cause anxiety, frustration, all sorts of things to come into your body. We've got to focus on what does the Word of God say? What does the Word of God say? And no matter, the first time we had a healing service, remember on a, on a, uh, we do it on Sunday nights, healing service. First guy I prayed for died. That doesn't give you much, uh, that doesn't give you much confidence. Would you like to be next? I don't think so. <laughs> but it does not, turn to your neighbor and say, it doesn't change the Word of God. So we get so focused on the Word of God that we believe what it says and nothing is going to confuse us or disappoint us from what the Word of God says. Disappointment will eventually cause anxiety. The Word of God says in Romans chapter 12, Present your body as a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is just your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove or test what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Everybody say perfect will of God. Everything God wills for you is perfect. And God has a plan, God has a purpose, and God has a will. And the challenges that you face will come into your mind. And they will be things that you can meditate or you can get rid of. What you think you will attract. I'm going to say that again. What you think you will attract. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm glad you came today. What you think you will attract. And how many of you realize there are a lot of people that attract a bunch of junk and the junk comes right in their mind and they think about it and think about it and think about it. And that's why God told us in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh, so is he. If you think the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God, you attract that into your life and you eventually, you meditate something long enough, you will, you will eventually believe it. And that's why we have to be careful what we meditate. <clears throat> this is dad, dad, Dad's uh, day, Father's Day, and all that good stuff. So, Dads, we have something for you, and then I have a couple of cute stories for you. Reminded me of a couple of kids in our family. But popcorn, how many of you like popcorn? Okay, because we need a lot of popcorn in heaven. I know that, because I love popcorn. <laughs> to the best pop in the world, and then the can, the best pop ever to all of you men as you leave. When Molly was real young, uh, we, she loves popcorn. And she was, I don't know, a couple years old maybe. And uh, so I'd pop up some popcorn and I'd have it for her. And I'd say, you know, you know where this popcorn got its name, don't you? And she said, no. I said, for me. Uh, it, it named it after me, Pop. And so she's, you know, kind of quizzical, kind of buying into it, kind of, kind of thinking that was really true. And then I got a, a can of Coke. She likes ginger ale, so I had ginger ale out. And I said, now, you know what they call this, don't you? She said, yeah, we call it Pop. And I said, they named that after me, too. And, uh, but then she's looking very quizzical, like, I, I'm only two, but I don't really believe what you're telling me now. But anyway, guys, here's what it says. You know, you have to know the nutritions on everything. And the nutritional value is right here. Size, one, super pop. Hardworking, 100%. Handsome, 100%. Sweet, 100%. Intelligent, 100%. Dependable, you going to drink some of this, Bill? Dependable, 100%. Hilarious, there you go. 100% caring, 100%. Let's give all the pops a hand. Glory to God. We thank God for every one of you. If you're a father here and you have had your children over a year, I'm sure you can relate to me. You've done a lot of things right, done a lot of things wrong. Concentrate on what you did right. I'm sure my children could shake their head and say, he did a lot of things right. And I'm sure they could probably shake their head and say, he sure did a lot of things wrong too. But that's okay. We learn from our mistakes and we become brilliant. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm sure you're brilliant by now. So then we look at the Word of God, and I want to share a couple of things with you here concerning, uh, concerning it, because God, if you can just get a glimpse of this message, God knows everything. Now, I know we're all going to say that, but God knows everything. You look beautiful today. God knows everything. And so we just need to tap into what does He know and then in our infinite mind, we need to believe what he says. When he says, I love you and I've chosen you and I want you to accomplish things, we need to believe that. 
when he says things through his written word and, and through his, his, the spirit in his word, we need to believe that. And uh, I, I remember that there, there are times in my life when I just hear things, bits and glimpses from the Lord. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's just a little thing you hear and then you don't understand all that it means. And I, I shared this in the first service, but if you, get, if you understand this message, because we're going to look at Luke chapter 5 and what Jesus said to the disciples. But one day, I, Pam and I were looking for a home here in Lafayette, and, and I had gone to pray for a man that was dying, and, and, uh, and he, he did die. By the way, not everybody I pray for dies, but <laughs> <laughs> he did eventually die, but uh, he was a good man. He was part of, part of Pam's family. But anyway, after I prayed for him, I got in the car, and I started to leave, and I just, just kind of not really doing much, but just praying a little bit in the spirit. And I heard, go to the sanctuary, go to the sanctuary. And I thought, well, Pam and I had driven through the sanctuary before looking for a house. We're, we're, we're looking for homes and, and everything we found we liked, we couldn't afford and everything we could afford, we didn't like. Have you ever been there? And, and it was one of those types of things. And I thought, why am I going to go through the sanctuary? I've been there before. I can't afford any homes there. But this day, it's just kind of like, eh, whatever. And so I drove through the sanctuary, and I saw a for, sign, for sale sign on a house. And I thought, well, that looks kind of nice. And I called about it, and it wasn't really what we wanted. We looked at it. But then she said, well, there's a house on the other side. And I looked at that house and loved it, fell in love with it. And, but it was too high. It was priced too high for us. And the realtor, now remember, I'm, I'm, I'm tying all this into God said, go to the sanctuary. And the realtor that we were with said, well, why don't you make them an offer? And I said, I would be embarrassed to make them the offer based on the price you're asking for the house or they're asking for the house. She said, make it anyway. And I'm not tying in, go to the sanctuary with God at that moment. But later on, I realized that that was God and it was a supernatural moment. And so I told the lady, I said, well, okay, I'll give you the offer. And she said, it's a, it's a relocation home. And I said, I don't understand what that means. What is a relocation home? She said, the company has taken over the home. They just want out from under it. They want to get rid of the home. You make them an offer. So I said, okay. And I made them a, a ridiculous offer. Two days later, she called me back and she says, you're not going to believe this. Now, I have learned over the years when people tell me, you're not going to believe this, I'm getting ready to hear a miracle. I'm getting ready to hear a miracle. Now, I dovetailed in the first service. I'll do it again this one. You said another rabbit trail. I was down at the license branch one day getting my license. You'll come back. We'll come back. Mark that page right there. We're down at the license branch, and I had to get a plate. And the lady came to the counter, and she said, do you want a special plate? Now, she's meaning the, uh, you know, whatever things are, Purdue, in God we trust, or whatever like that. I said, yep, I want a 7777. She said, yeah, sure. That's sitting back on the shelf just waiting for you. And I said, well, then go get it. And uh, <laughs> so, so the lady goes back on the shelf. She comes out beaming, and she says, you are not going to believe this. I knew I was getting ready to hear a miracle. And she walks up there with 7777, and she says, I, did, I have it on my desk for a faith builder. And, and, and as she laid it down there, she said, you're not going to believe this. Said, oh, yes, I believe it. And there it was just waiting for me. Now, I say all that to say this. God loves you and wants to do things for you. And he wants you to believe him for the supernatural. You don't need the supernatural to do what you know to do. 
you need the supernatural to do what you don't need to, what you don't know to do. And and in, in the book of Luke, I'm going to come back to the sanctuary. In the book of Luke, uh, Jesus is teaching in Luke chapter five. He's teaching, and the crowd is multiplying. And he gets in a boat that's tied close to the shore. I, I never realized how big fishing boats were in Israel until I was there recently. They're huge, and uh, they, they take a lot of fish, and the nets are just huge and just really large in circumference. And they found a fishing boat from Jesus's era over there. They have it in the museum. We saw it, and they call it the Jesus boat. They can't prove Jesus was ever in the boat, but they know that was the size of the boat, and it was much larger than anything I had ever thought would be fishing boats there. But he, he, asked, he asked Simon if you'll cast the boat out just a little bit so he can continue teaching. Probably the multitude was surrounding him. He didn't have a good vantage point. But anyway, Simon did. And then when Simon was finished... He said, now, I want you to launch out into the deep, and, and you're going to catch fish. Launch out into the deep. And Simon responded very similar to the way I responded when God gave me the word about the sanctuary. I've already been to the sanctuary, been through the sanctuary. There's nothing there I can afford. Why would I drive through the sanctuary again? And Simon begins to say to Jesus, and I know I'm paraphrasing all this, but Jesus, we've we've toiled, we have fished all night long, and we haven't caught anything. And we're tired, and I'm paraphrasing. Turn to your neighbor, tell me he's paraphrasing. Don't want you to go home and try to find this now. But, but he said, I'm tired. I, you know, we're cleaning the nets. We got the nets out of the boat, which would have been a big job. We just really don't want to do that again. We've been up all night. We want to take a nap. We don't have any income. We don't have anything to show for all of our efforts. But then, Something really must have impressed Simon about Jesus, about his words, about the teaching. Maybe it was a multitude like, this guy's really important. But he said, Master, nevertheless, at your word. And they cast out into the deep. Tell your neighbor, you need to go deeper. You need to go deeper and deeper and deeper. What does that mean beyond your ability? beyond your ability so that if you don't have the supernatural, it's not going to happen. And I know that I talk a lot in this church about the Sudan, but the Sudan just consumes my heart. I think about the Sudan all the time. I think about all those orphans over there all the time. I think about how now we're going to go from 135 to 150. We have 15 more. How we're going to go to 300. How we're building Stanley's home. By the way, Stanley's home, all the concrete is poured. All the footers are in. The foundation is all in. The walls are going up as we speak. We need to give the Lord a hand. All of it paid for. The water, the well is in. The water tank is in. It's just amazing miracle what is happening there. When God gave us the assignment to touch that nation and also to get Purdue University involved, and how every single thing that was beyond our ability and our need to do without God happened because of the supernatural. How many of you would like to operate in the supernatural all the time? Then you have to get out of your checkbook. You have to get into God's checkbook. You have to get out past the shoreline. You have to get out past all of your abilities so that you are operating in an area that if God doesn't show up, now I don't know about you, 
but I prefer a lot of times to operate when I know I can do it, what I say. But when you get out beyond your ability, you're basically saying, if God doesn't show up, we're going to sink and we're not going to make it. If he shows up, he's going to get all the glory. Can you say amen to that? And that's what we have to do. And that's what the disciples did. They went out beyond their own ability to do that. And every single thing that Jesus said would happen, that they'd have that catch, happened. As a matter of fact, one boat got filled up. They were breaking the net. He had to call for the second boat to come out. And then it said the two boats started to sink. They had such a haul when they came in. And Simon was so impressed, fell on his knees, said, I'm a, I'm a sinner. You know, I don't have the ability. I shouldn't even be around you. They were so excited, not just because of the catch of the fish, but that's how they made their living. They had worked all night long, and they weren't going to get any pay, no compensation for what they did. And now they have an abundance in one moment's notice. And the only difference was they went fishing for Jesus, with Jesus, when he said, do it. And they said, nevertheless, even though we don't understand this, at your word. That is exactly what we read in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2. What is your will? What is your word, Lord? That's what I'm going to focus on. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what they did. And the rest was all that came in for them. God has a great plan for your life. And he has things coming for each and every one of you. Tell your neighbor, God's got a great plan for your life. He loves you. He cares for you. And you are going to be casting out into the deep if you'll let Jesus take you where he wants to take you. I heard this story. It was a cute little story. It doesn't necessarily fit the message, but I forgot to say it earlier, so I'll say it now. But it's two little boys, and I thought about, I thought about, uh, well, really all of our sons. This could be David and Darren at a younger age. I, I was using Carter and Jack as an example, but this little boy was Father's Day, and it fit right in. The dad <coughs> had bought a sled for these two, uh, two, his two sons. One was eight, and one was six. And they were going to go sledding. They had the first snowfall. And, and the dad told the, the older boy, the eight-year-old, he said, Now listen, I want you to make sure that your brother gets an equal turn with this sled. He's younger than you, and you need to make sure of it. And he said, Dad, I've already got it figured out, no problem. And he said, How have you got it figured out? How's it going to work? He said, I'm going to take the sled down the hill, and he's going to take the sled up the hill. <laughs> I could see Darren and, and, and David doing that. And then the two boys, mom was baking cookies, and, and uh, she had them all done and put the cookies up there on the, on the counter. And the boys were fighting. The two boys were fighting over who's going to get the first cookie. And the mom thought, well, this is a good time to use it as an object lesson. So she said, now, boys, you shouldn't be fighting over this. You know, if Jesus were here, he would give the first cookie to his brother. So the older boy looked at his brother and said, today you are going to be Jesus. <laughs> It's good to laugh. Now, why is it good to laugh? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you can keep laughter and joy in your life, you can get out into the deep and you can make it to the other side. But if you're the type of person that doesn't have joy in your life, that the only joy you have is when things go right, you already have a problem because things don't always go the way we want them to. Life is full of disappointments. And if you can get over the disappointment and make a determination, I am not going to meditate and dwell on disappointment. 
Disappointment only eventually discourages me. If I get discouraged long enough, I'll get depressed. So therefore, I'm not going to focus on disappointments. I'm going to focus on what is the will of God for my life? What does he want me to have? He wants me to have health. He wants me to have abundance. Jesus said, I came to give you abundance and give you more abundance. And so therefore, we speak and attract what God said. We have abundance for the Sudan. You have abundance for everything that God has called you to do. You have the ability to have God's wisdom in every situation because God said that if you lack wisdom, ask me and I'll give it to you. And so therefore we have wisdom. Let's all say, I have wisdom. And no matter what, God will show up and he'll speak to you and he'll tell you things that do not make sense in your mind. How many of you would say right now, You have things that you have heard that you think may be God, but you haven't put a tag on it yet that I believe that's God. But you have things you've heard that might be God speaking to you, but you can't comprehend it in your mind. Can I see your hands? Should be just about everybody with their hand up if you're tuned in to the realm of the Spirit because God is speaking to you. And so when we understand that, Everything that we do is going to be in a position of seeing God's hand move on our behalf. I think about in Judges chapter 6 when Gideon was in the wine press thrashing wheat and, and, and he was hiding from the Midianites the, the harvest that he was working on because every, every year at the harvest time, the Midianites would come and they would destroy the co- crops, they would steal the crops, they would take all of that. You know, I did not realize until just recently, do you know, you're the Old, old Testament survey teacher, did you know that the Midianites were the descendants of Midian and that Midian was a son of Abraham? I did not know that until just this weekend. In other words, some of Abraham's sons, because he had so many wives, really created a problem over there. That's why God was always into single marriage between a man and a woman. But because he had so many wives, they they didn't like all the ones that were being, what are you laughing at? What What are you laughing at? You're laughing. What? On the what? On my soapbox? No. But every once in a while, I hear somebody say that if we go from uh, what marriage is supposed to be between a man and a woman, and then we're going to end up with polygamy and multiple wives. And I've always said, who, who would want multiple wives? But I'm sorry, that's another subject for another day. I'm, I'm busy taking care of one. So anyway, <laughs> and all the fathers said, <laughs> amen. You say it softly because you're going to pay for it later on. But, but what we do is we get to the point when we just take, I don't even know what I was saying. What was I saying? Are you hanging on every word? Gideon was in the wine press, afraid of the Midianites. And God showed up through an angel of the Lord and said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon responded and said, hey, my family is the least, and I am the least in the family. And he proceeded to tell God how he didn't have anything going for him. But God took Gideon out of that wine press and made him the leader, defeated the Midianites, and really rose up to great stature. But in the process, it's, it, it's stated that Gideon had about 35,000 people available to him when God called him. 
But in the process, God whittled that number down to 300 because God wanted all the glory. You know God is going to get all the glory for everything that we do for Him and that it's not going to be what we had that caused it to happen. It's going to be that we gave what we had to God so that God could add what He has to what He's given us and that then He brings it to pass. It's not us, it's God bringing it to pass. When God spoke to Joshua, and, 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 and when Joshua became the leader, and, and he said, if you will meditate my word. Now, this is a word for all of us for all days. I've never seen anyone that I have counseled, and my counseling schedule is very sparse. Uh, I've never seen any, anyone that I've ever, it's like the healing line for me. Uh, it, it's like, it, 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 I've, never, I've never seen anyone in counseling that couldn't have their life changed by changing their thought life. And meditating the Word of God. Well, what if this never goes away? That's a good question. What if it never goes away? Are you going to be a basket case the rest of your life? Are you going to live the Word of God? How do you realize some things never work out the way we thought they would? They just don't. You got to move on. I had a message two weeks ago. You just have, sometimes you just have to move on and accomplish what God's called you to accomplish, realizing that it didn't work out the way I'd hoped it would and thought it would and the way God wanted it to, I thought, but I'm going to move on regardless. But God's word to Joshua was, if you'll meditate the word of God day and night, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have great success. Just by meditating, what am I saying to you? I ask you today, what is God saying to you? You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. You have the mind of Christ. You're blessed coming, you're blessed going. Deuteronomy 28 uh, verses 1 and 2 is a powerful scripture that says, if we will hearken unto the voice of the Lord our God and obey that voice, that all of the blessings of God will come upon us and overtake us. And that word blessing means to be content, to be prosperous, and to be joyful. Isn't it fun to be content? Isn't it fun to be joyful? Isn't it fun to be prosperous? Isn't it fun to give out of things? Sometimes you can have a disappointment that faces you that can shake what you're called to do by God, but don't focus on the disappointments. I shared this with the, with the first service, but I love to give. And it, when we were in Tulsa, uh, on, on staff in Tulsa, they put me in charge of the Benevolence Fund. And I wasn't the one who met the people. We had another lady that did that. But I was the one who was involved with the funding of it. Well, as long as the people came in and had the need, we gave them the money. But then when we ran out of money, I found out a way to request from the finance department to get additional money. It was a way that they hadn't thought of, but I had. And uh, all I had to do was send in some requisitions, and they'd give me the money, and it was way over the budget. One day, the finance director came down, and he said, you can't do that. And I said, yes, I can. I've been doing it for a long time. And this is how we circumvent the whole system. Well, he didn't particularly like it, but I knew the pastor's heart. How many of you know God's heart? How many of you got heart? God wants to meet all the needs of the people. Uh, the Good Samaritan is a great example of that. He wants us to meet the needs of the people. So thanks to your giving in this church, we have a great flow into our benevolence, huge benevolence outreach. Many, many people have been saved through benevolence outreach. So the other day I was at McDonald's. It was early in the morning. And this guy was out in the front of McDonald's, and he, I could tell he was homeless, and he had a backpack, and he just really looked bad. And I, I actually got in my car and drove away. 
And then I felt like the Lord, all I heard was the Good Samaritan, the Good Samaritan. I went out behind Walmart. I was like the priest and the Levite. I was be out Walmart praying about something, and all I heard was the Good Samaritan, Good Samaritan. I said, God, do you want me to go back and help that guy? Is that what you're saying? And that's what I really felt. And so I, I went back, talked to the guy, and prayed with him, and, and he recommitted his life to the Lord. He'd known the Lord for a long time. Took him over to Nights Inn and, and got him a room for a couple of nights and got some food and got everything all taken care of and signed, sealed, and delivered. And really felt great about all of it. And it was your money, by the way, uh, that, that we were using. Uh, so anyway, everything was really great. The seed's in the ground. I'm feeling really good about it. And then the next day I get a call from, I get a call from the hotel and they say, you need to come out here. You owe us about a hundred bucks. This guy trashed the room. The place is a horrible mess and you got to pay. And I said, why do I have to pay? And he said, because you signed the bill. And I said, oh, I did sign the bill, didn't I? So anyway, more of your money. Um, so after, after we paid for the room and made peace with the uh, manager of the hotel and everything, I'm getting in my car and I'm thinking, why did I ever help that guy in the first place? And then this is what I heard. Did you do that for him or for me? And I thought, well, I really did it for the Lord. Because when we give to help hurting people, we're doing it as unto the Lord. It's not so much the people per se, it's what God would have us to do. And then my disappointment changed to the seed went into the ground. It was what God wanted to have done. How it turned out is between God and that individual. It's not our responsibility. Does that make sense? We just do what Jesus would have done in that situation. And I believe Jesus would have reached out to that man and tried to help him. God wants people to be restored. So what we have to do is get away from the disappointments, focus upon doing what God's called us to do, and all of the blessings of God will come upon us and overtake us as we're doing what God wants us to do. But don't ever stop based on the disappointment. When the disciples, not the disciples, but when Simon and his group came ashore from fishing, they had, it said they had toiled all night long. They were tired. They were probably hungry. They, they were probably frustrated because they had no catch, which meant they had no money. They operated over there. If you understand the economy, how it operated, it wasn't bank accounts and money saved up. They had their catch that came in. They got what they got for that in bartering, and that was how they fed their families, and that's how they took care of themselves. So if they toiled all night long, it would be like any of you going to work, and you worked all night long, and the boss said, by the way, we're not going to pay you today. It would be very difficult for you. That's how it was for them. But yet Jesus said, I want you to get right back out in that boat, and I want you to go out into the deep. And everything that he said came to pass, and that they were smart enough. Simon was smart enough to say, okay, I don't know how this is going to work. We've already done all this. Nevertheless, at your word, and they put out, and every blessing of God came upon them and overtook, overtook them. You and I have an opportunity to live in the center of the will of God, being blessed by God in everything that we do. And every day is a new day to get up and determine what am I going to accomplish for God today. When Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man should live by every, not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
you and I are responsible for what God is speaking to us. And if we will make ourselves focus on what he says, launching out wherever he says to launch out, doing whatever he says to do, we'll we'll have what he says to do. When, when, When God spoke to me about the sanctuary, and that lady, I gave her that offer, and then she finally called the company, and she called me back, and she said, you're not going to believe this, Bill. And, and I knew there was a miracle coming when she said, you're not going to believe this. But there was silence on the phone when they said, here's the offer, and the man on the other end with the company said, no, that's not enough. We're, we, uh, how much more do you think they're prepared to go? And the realtor said, they have offered all they have. They've just started a church in new church in Lafayette, Indiana. They, are, they can't go any higher. And she said there was total silence on the phone. And then finally the uh, officer with the corporation said, take it, let them have the house. And in one moment's time, we went from me thinking, why am I in the sanctuary, to God knowing why he had me there and he had the blessing there. It's true for every one of you. God is no respecter of persons. He has something waiting for you if you put him first. But If you want to do it yourself, he'll let you go. I've done it with him, I've done it without him, and I've got revelation for you. It's better to do it with him. Let's stand to our feet. It's good to have you all here today. There is disappointments in life. They come, they go. Blessings of God. I heard Oral Roberts say this one day. Miracles of God are passing by every single day. And that if you'll position yourself where God wants you, you'll have a miracle. But if you won't, and you position yourself where you want yourself, the miracle will go right by you. And it will go right by you to somebody else. But don't let somebody else accomplish what your miracle is going to be. Remember when God told us to go back and start this church. And uh, I wanted to go to Indianapolis. And I kept trying. I didn't want to come to Lafayette. Lafayette was a place in my mind of defeat. It was despair. It was a place I just never wanted to come back to. Matter of fact, I told God I was never going to come back to Lafayette. I found out the hard way. God doesn't want to listen to me as much as he wants me to listen to him. And uh, I remember being Rama Bible Training Center, Tulsa, Oklahoma praying out there in the prayer gardens. And I felt the Lord said, if you don't want to go back and start the church, you can stay here in Tulsa with victory. But I will get somebody else to do what I've called you to do. And you know, I didn't want somebody else to be doing what God called me to do. And you don't want somebody else doing what God's called you to do because when you get to heaven, your entrance into heaven is Jesus and the blood of the Lamb. When you get to heaven, there will be rewards. And it's not going to be how hard you work. It's going to be whether or not you accomplish what God told you to accomplish. Talks about it in the book of Matthew. There will be rewards in heaven. When we get there, you're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I believe you can hear too. And you ran the race I set before you. And you ran it with endurance. Now look what I have for you. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer. Do you know where you will spend eternity? Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
Or maybe you're here and you have slipped away and walked away from him. You know your life isn't right. 